This is 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective podcast brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to another episode of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. I'm Nathan. And I'm Bob. And today we are joined by a very special guest, uh, B. Dave Walters from uh, the Geek and Sundry, Ellie by Night, V5. Thank you for joining us. Uh, undisputed Baron of the Valley, Victor Temple. Yes, 100%. <laughs> got to stay on brand. Got to stay on brand. Yes. Absolutely. So um, I, I, I was curious. Um, uh, I'm just going to get this out of the way right away. Um, had you uh, heard of our podcast before you started uh, doing the whole Geek and Sundry thing? Uh, I had. Uh, it, initially, I was not aware of the fact that it wasn't an official White Wolf thing. <laughs> so I started like uh, inaccurately tagged you all in a bunch of stuff in the hype leading up to it. But uh, yeah, but here we are. So it all well, worked out fine. <laughs> I, I mean, I think we we both appreciate that. I'm sure uh, Bob does as well. Good job. Dude, so you, you're very you're very welcome. You're very welcome. It was a, again uh, a part a part of my mass media misdirection, hiding out in the open, preservation of the masquerade. That's what I do. Yeah. So I have a real quick question for you too. Um, speaking of which, um, this is this is something that I was kind of wondering when you guys got started doing that show. Did you get to make your characters, or did somebody make the characters for you? Oh, no, Victor Temple is one hundred percent my brainchild. Uh, we all made our characters ourselves. I think the only one that didn't do it all on their own was Erica because she was new to the game. Uh, mm -hmm. so she, Jason worked very closely with her on the concept and the logistics, the rest of us, we did. I mean, of course we talked to Jason all along and it's like, I kind of have this idea. Does this fit? Does that fit? Of course. Um, I will say, and I won't tell you who one, well, I'll tell you, it wasn't me. One person's <laughs> character all the way down to the Monday before we went live, got completely radically redesigned five days before we went up. But, uh, for the most part, I think we all kind of came to the table with maybe two ideas of things we want to do, um, because Alex, Cynthia, and I all go way back with the game. I think I'm the only one that goes back to the very beginning, but uh, we all have played a lot of Vampire and had a lot of characters and really understood kind of what we wanted to do, but we're all very flexible about, but what is the Chronicle going to require we do? Um, but yeah, overall, it, what you see on screen is the things we created for ourselves. Why did they have to revamp that character, right? Because it has to be the lead. And if it was like just before, right, or five days before, because they're like Ventrue's my jam, right? Like I love Ventrue, and the person in question, their go-to clan was one that was not available yet, and so they were kind of trying to approximate something else, and it just didn't quite fit their vision. It's like, okay. uh, you know, like imagine if you were trying to, you know, trying to approximate as a Michi. This isn't what happened. But imagine if you were trying to approximate as a Michi. You're kind of like, yeah, but then I can't, though. So I'm just going to do right. something else. Yeah. And that's what happened. So they couldn't do what they wanted to do. So they had to do yes. something completely different. Yes. Um, so my my curiosity, uh, what is it like to um, like we all probably have an experience with actual plays and listening to people play role-playing games online, but I don't think any of them are quite 
the production level that Geek and Sundry is. What is that experience like? And how does that like how is that different from just sitting at a table with some pals? Uh, the main difference between playing on a live stream period and playing at home is I'm a very firm believer that playing at home, the social interaction is just as important a part as the game. Uh, talking about what happened at work, talking about your girlfriend, your boyfriend, talking about, uh, you know, what you watched on Netflix, uh, ordering food like that is all a part of the experience of getting together and play a tabletop game together. That being said, when you're streaming, it's that, but all of the extraneous stuff extracted out of it (laughs) and nothing but the pure game is left. And then second to that, you kind of have to ask you, what's the tone of the game going to be? Is it going to be like total immersion from when we sit down at the table, we are our characters the entire time, or are you still sort of somewhat having a good time with it? Like when we did Theogony of Kairos, we were in character, but there was some breaking of the fourth wall and, you know, some lightheartedness that on say vampire or we're alive frontier, like for the most part, like we don't have. So when, right. when we walk on the set, we're there and we're in with them. So I, yeah. I, I think that the thing is not necessarily the production value as such. It's more the understanding of the cast in advance of exactly how serious are we about to take this more or less. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I kind of noticed that um, in the V5 uh, stream, you guys, you kind of like blur the lines between LARP and tabletop. And frankly, I, I rather enjoy that. Um, Bob and I, we come from a background of LARPing. So like we, we get like the costuming, the, the playing and the character, but we've never really done that in a tabletop setting. So I was curious if that was like, um, intentional or just kind of like how it kind of rolled out. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, we, we want it to be an immersive experience. Uh, we want you to feel like you are a part of something that is happening. That is more than just, I'm watching five nerds play a game. Um, you know, like we're, we're definitely trying to tell an experiential story and we really honestly try and lean on the dice as little as possible. Uh, we really try and resolve more things narratively, uh, than we do even structurally. And a lot of that also comes from, uh, Jason Carl and the type of stories he likes to tell. Like he is very adamant about the fact that to him, the powers are the most boring part of the game. That's not what makes vampire (laughs) interesting to him. Um, whereas to me, I love the powers. I love the fact that we can do all of these different things, which is probably why I think I use my powers more than anybody else at the table. Um, because to me, that's, that's a very interesting part of it also. And that's, that's what these essentially restless monsters that are in the world, I I think they would, that's what makes us not people. Um, so it's, we definitely were very careful about trying to show as much as we could about the world and what the world entails, because we're already by definition of the medium, we're already going to have to tell more than we would like. We've already got to tell what Griffith park looks like. You know, we've already got to tell what a werewolf looks like. So the things we can show, we make sure we do. Victor temple came from somewhere deep, right? Um, I always, always say this because I, I could definitely say that when I was watching it, I felt that your character at some points, you wanted to keep going, but you're very mindful of not, all of you are very mindful of not hogging the limelight, yes. which is a cool thing to see. Um, but I was wondering, Victor Temple, could you tell us a little bit about it? Well, it's because I think 
you know, every time we play these games, we, we try to play characters that are as different as possible. Like you, you want to show range. You want to show that you can do different things. You want to provide different experiences for the viewers and different experiences for yourself. And I'll take just a kind of a, a step back from this. My first time playing on stream was at the Chair D20 event in December 2017, where I played Vampire with Jason. And I played a Gangrel. And I had never played on stream, and I had never played a Gangrel in all my years. It just wasn't a clan that I ever got into. And But I just decided I was just going to dive in, because those were all pre-generated characters, because it was a one-shot. Which, if you haven't seen it, Google Geek and Sundry Chair D20 Vampire. It was me... Uh, Amy Dolan, uh, Eric Campbell, uh, Lisa Pearl, uh, Kelly D'Angelo, and somebody I'm forgetting that I'm going to think of 20 minutes from now. I'd be like, <laughs> but, it's, uh, but it was a really great one shot and you should watch it. So when this show came around, people were like, oh, are you going to play a gangrel again? Because that's all they knew from me. And that's kind of what put me on the map. And I was like, no, because ventru are my heart like that's my clan that i love and i one of the very first things i said to jason is like if we are going to be introducing this game to a new generation of people and in many ways reintroducing this game to the world and in many ways we're going to be the face of vampire v5 at least initially then i knew i had to play a ventru otherwise in the back of my mind even if i'd played the world's best gangrel or Bruja, or Toreador, or Nosferatu, in the back of my mind, I'd always wish I'd played a Ventru. So that came before anything else. And then as I was creating him, even though, again, I think we're all kind of at the mercy of who we are, of all the characters I've played, Victor is the most just me, for the most part. He's got a worse temper than I've got. But uh, <laughs> got a beast too. Yeah, well, it's the beast, man. Yeah, right. If the beast, if I was wrestling with it, I might be that dude too. I don't know. Um, like, but I definitely think if I were to get embraced, Victor's life would pretty much be my life. So it's easy to like make. It's easy for me to get into that place where it's funny because like as we show up to the set again like different people have different rituals of how to get into character and how to get there quickly like Erica has a very long like half hour attuning process of getting into the headspace of Annabelle whereas like you know like Alex and I by the time we come out of the chair we're like all right let's do it time to be vampires you know (laughs) (laughs) and it's just uh it's interesting but I, I I think what I wanted to bring to the table with Victor, because I'll tell you what the, the character concept when I pitched it to Jason initially was a non douchebag shook knight. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I knew I wanted to do the like hip hop producer guy, but I didn't want to be a hip hop cliche, you know, like I didn't want to feed into stereotypes. Right. So I wanted to be something different, but I knew that's what I wanted his place in, in the world to be, especially in Hollywood. It made sense. Um, and I wanted to portray him having a good time because even though I think at its core, the world of darkness is a tragedy at its core, we are, you know, cursed beings wrestling with this beast and, you know, an endless night of, of you know, loneliness and loss. But I really said to Jason right off the top, though, I was like, yeah, but that doesn't mean you can't be like at least having an intermittently having a good time in the interim. You know? <laughs> like, right. um, and that very much was my character concept. Like he doesn't 
you know, he doesn't hate his life and he doesn't like deeply regret where he is. He regrets some of the headaches he ends up having to deal with. But, uh, you know, of, of everyone, of everyone in our coterie, I think he's probably the most comfortable with like who and what he is. Um, out of curiosity, I don't know if you can even answer this, but do you have any uh, insight as to, um, I guess, why L.A. was chosen? Because uh, anybody that's played this game for a while knows that there's so many different like regional areas that that um, the game is pulled from and, and utilized in their in their game. Was it just like geographically that's where you were all at? So that's kind of the game you played or was there anything else that went into that? Yeah, I don't want to overly speak for Jason, because when you talk to him, he may give you a completely different rationale, but I can at least tell you what I think. Uh, I think it's the fact that, yeah, this is where we are, so it's easy. You know, uh, any place you mention, we're all going to know. I think also in the lore, where you have, you know, Chicago and London and places like that, were such well-worn territory, and LA wasn't so much. Um, It was just kind of like, it's the Anarch Free States, you know, don't go over there, you're going to get eaten. So, um, and it also allowed us to lean in very heavily to bloodlines, um, right. which has been a great thing, uh, and really increased the written richness of the experience. And I think it was also a very easy way for classic people who haven't played in a long time, or maybe had only ever played bloodlines to also kind of get an easy hook in to kind of like take the, you know, the, the journey over, uh, into this world with us. So I think those are all, and, and there's some distinct things in the lore uh, that make some other cities unacceptable. Like, you know, in V5, like London's fallen. Uh, Pro- yeah. Prague is probably not somewhere you want to be either, you know? <laughs> so it gave us a, a good place to sort of have a relatively significant, but relatively undefined place. At least that's that's my interpretation of events, which could be totally wrong but that's what i think (laughs) i mean i'll take it (laughs) it makes sense so you know why not go with it Mm -hmm. um so 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 go ahead bob uh, so i was just wondering uh, a little bit because an innate if by way of this takes away from what you were about to ask please jump in uh i was actually curious about your your life coaching you know i was i've heard about it read about it i should say and i was wondering what that what's that like and how does i'm profoundly curious i want to identify someone as needing a life coach how do you even get started in that? Well, for me, uh, again, I'm, I'm going to give you the, the slighter, longer version that I would like, but I will try to say it quickly. Uh, all the way back in college, which is now longer than I'd like to admit, uh, <laughs> I started uh, training in the martial arts. I earned black belts in a couple of different disciplines. I don't know if you can tell when I'm sitting there, but I'm gigantic. So, um a buddy of mine uh, became a very famous rock star. Like I grew up with the rock band Evanescence and my buddy called me and he's like, Hey, um, I want you to come be head of security for the whole band. And I told him, I was like, yeah, nothing in my background qualifies me for that. So no, (laughs) thank you. But no. So he kept calling and every time he called, like he'd sweeten the pot and the deal was better and better. And I was working in IT at the time. And finally he calls and he's like, I'll pay you double what you're making. I'll pay it all in advance. And you just have to be my bodyguard. I was like, all right. I mean, if you're going to like twist my arm and like violate my civil rights, like, <laughs> I guess I'll do it. Yeah. So uh, I was living in Atlanta at the time, you know, Sabat territory. 
<laughs> and uh, started traveling all over the world with him. Uh, that's how I ended up in Los Angeles. And I finally started making a little money for the first time in my life. And I started working with a financial planner. And he helped me set up some investments, showed me how it all worked. Uh, he, he used to work for uh, Tony Robbins. He was one of Tony Robbins' uh, team of coaches that, that he, he does. So worked with him for a while. And then my first child was coming along. And I realized I didn't want to be on the road doing that kind of stuff anymore. So I settled down and I actually went into the financial services. And I owned an insurance agency. And in the strictest technical sense, I still do, even though I haven't taken on any clients in a long time. And while I was helping people with put together their plans and saving for things, uh, what I realized was one of the hardest parts was getting people to admit what they really wanted and to give themselves permission to want it. You know, hmm. where I was like, hey, man, you know, if, if you want a boat, that's cool. You know, like we're just going to save for your boat, you know. And they'd be like, well, but, you know, what will people say? And, you know, people are going to laugh at me. You know, I don't know. And, and so I would spend far more time just trying to get people in their proper headspace to just be honest with themselves than I did of the actual investments. Because the investments, that's just, you know, an auto deposit. You don't think about it anymore. It's just like you pay for freaking Netflix. You know, you're like, this money's going to go over here. But it was so much time spent trying to essentially decondition people with all of their... uh, preconceived notions and things and helping people get over like the baggage and issues and trauma they'd been dealing with. And as I kept doing more and more of that, and as the economy went down and down, because this is like 2008 ish, I just sort of organically started doing more of that stuff. And uh, that was when I became a columnist for BeliefNet and all of those other things. The, the reason why I stopped doing it ultimately, why I stopped doing it as a profession is because I was really, really, really good at helping people, and I still am. I was really, really bad at asking for money for it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like if someone wants me to like write something or perform, I'm the first person to be like, cool, 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 pay me. Like you pour money in the top, things come out the bottom, you know? But when somebody was like, I'm contemplating suicide, I don't know what to do with my life. I couldn't be like, so if you just swipe right here, <laughs> you know, right. you know I'm going to help you with your existential crisis. Like I, I wasn't that dude. Um, so I basically, uh, uh, that was why I ended up like doing more writing and more like general encouraging stuff, but I've never really gotten away from it. That's why even now when in my, my presence on social media and stuff, that's why I'm always advocating and being so like, I try to be transparent about the process by which I've accomplished the things I've accomplished because I want other people to know they can do the things I've done. They can do more than the things I've done and that they're not crazy for wanting to do the things that they want to do. Because the fact that we get paid to play games is kind of insane. And and the fact that people want to watch us play games is also insane. And thank you. I love you all for it. I really do. But I mean, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have imagined this was a thing. I certainly wouldn't have imagined it 25 years ago. See that? Shout out to the branding. See what did it? <laughs> yeah. You. you know, sitting around in college playing, you know, gloomy bruja. If you told me that this was going right. to happen, I never would have believed it ever. That was a, was my yeah. long winded answer, but it was, but it was the, <laughs> it was the honest answer. It's a, it's a fantastic answer. Appreciate that. 
Yeah, honestly, like uh, going back to that, like how did you, you know, 25 years ago or however long ago it was, how did you get involved in, well, obviously Vampire the Masquerade, but I guess gaming in general, because it's for for me, it's definitely something I did that was kind of counterculture. And, you know, I, I know from Bob's stories, like, um, you know, we were both kind of the weird kids, you know, in one one way or another. Um, so just, like, how did you get involved in it? Yeah, I mean, I think at least initially, either being the weird kid or at least feeling like you were the weird kid was definitely sort of your, your gateway entry uh, into this particular pastime. Uh, my first game was actually Riffs because I, I had a buddy that was into Riffs. Um, and again, shout out Palladium. But that game had like the worst power creep like ever. Like each source book came out with something that could just completely demolish everything before it. And... I jumped from there to just straight up Dungeons and Dragons second edition uh, around the time when I was about 13 or so uh, played a lot of D&D and did that all the way through high school. And when I started hanging out with some of the older kids, uh, there was two things that I discovered simultaneously, which was uh, Metallica uh, and <laughs> the world of darkness. And it was like, what else are the Jedi not telling me? You know, like there's this entire other experience here that no one told me about. Like there's no elves and there's no dwarves and there's death and violence and I'm here for it. And I think me being an angsty teenager that no one understood as all teenagers are want to be simultaneous with here's a place where everybody is angsty and misunderstood. <laughs> you know, it just was a, right. uh, a very seamless uh, transition for me. I actually got into werewolf first. I actually, I was, I was hardcore into werewolf first. Um, and then uh, vampire sort of kind of, no, it's pearl clutch. Don't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I've since learned the error of my ways, but, but it is what happened. Yeah. And then, uh, a lot more time with that with vampire after that so i know that i know that writing is a difficult field and but it's also rewarding obviously um what about writing or let me put it in a better term what is the best moment you can remember from writing when you started other than i got i made the book and it was accepted the best part is when i see what someone else does with the words i created like if I write a description and seeing how an artist interprets that, or if I write a scene and seeing how it comes to fruition uh, or seeing fan art, like seeing the thing that something I do inspires, that's the best part of it. Um, because it, it is fantastic, but I'm very much of the opinion that uh, writers in many ways create the world. Um, it's no coincidence that the kids that grew up reading, um, you know, Journey to the Moon and Jules Verne and like Journey to you know, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea are the kids that grew up and created rocket ships and submarines. And now we see the kids that are creating holographic technology and Kindles are the ones that grew up watching Star Trek. And that's what they had. So the the people that are pointing the way to new possibilities are the artists and the creators and the writers. And then it takes some time for that to sort of seep into the groundwater as possible. And then people really create those worlds and create those realities. So to me, it is a very significant in at, at the risk of sounding, uh, you know, o o over exaggerating a sacred thing 
because you look back, there's a reason why things like Shakespeare have lasted the, as long as they have, because Shakespeare says something true about what it means to be human. And when you can read those things and interface with those things in, in especially the tragedies, when you can read and experience and, and grieve with those, you ha- you're having a simultaneously shared experience with billions of, hu- of human beings over centuries. And I can't think of anything greater than that sense of like connectedness that you can give to someone. Um, and that's, that's something that, that writers are uniquely equipped to do. And uh, that's why I love doing it so much. That's a brilliant response. I'm going to add that. Yep, I'm done. So we're out. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, smoke bomb. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Yeah, we're exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Right. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to leave it recording. You can hear the door slam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break for a moment and get a little nerdy. Um, I'm sure people are going to want to want to know this. What a, What is your favorite? Um, what are some of your favorite things about V5? Um Obviously, I, I feel like it goes without saying the whole Ellie by Night, the whole stream, it's kind of designed to promote this sure. new game. Um, and, you know, there's been mixed emotions about it, but I don't care about that. I care about what you like. What's awesome? What are your favorite things about playing a character in this new updated uh, game system? You know, one thing I found is nerds are persnickety. I mean, you can change literally yeah. anything. <laughs> well, time out. What's that word? Persnickety. All right, that's that's all. Keep it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you can do literally anything, and a, a certain percentage yeah. of the community is going to vocally complain about that. Uh, my favorite thing about it is the blood dice mechanic. I really like that. I really like that. Um, I really like uh, it, the the whole hunger mechanic in general. Um, in the idea that is like the beast is coming closer to the surface, it actually becomes easier to do some things, but also easier to lose control and freak out. Um, I like the fact that it's no longer blood pool based because it's changed the game from a resource management game to a risk management game. Um, in the sense of, you know, do I spend these blood points now knowing I'm essentially going to need to refill them or, do I chance the fact that I might like freak out and eat somebody? Uh, which I think you all have come to realize with me, the answer is probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> this last episode, uh, I'll, I'll be vague because I don't know if somebody might be listening to this that isn't all caught up yet. But uh, my hunger was high enough that I definitely was like, I'm not risking anything because I'm one bad dice roll from like turning into the Tasmanian devil in public. And that's just going (laughs) to turn out poorly. Uh, I also like the fact now that it is easier to um, get different domains. It's not just like, so like clear cut in the stone that if you are a Nosferatu, you can do these three things, you know, you are a Ventru, you can do these three things. Um, it's very easy for anybody to have, you know, some protein or some obfuscate or a little bit of aspects. And um, it's so it's, it's easier to customize your character. And it is also harder to look at people just like cliches and archetypes is like, I know how to handle you because I know what you can do. And it's like, mm, maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I like I like that a lot. So when you uh, when you mentioned you played um Obviously, you said the beginning. 
I'm assuming you played Vampire from, from the beginning, is what you're referring to, especially with the Rift yes. reference? Okay, so up to V5, and you like Ventru. Uh, what's the differences that you notice between the V5 Ventru and old school Ventru? Is there well, one? I mean, you know, we're still the best clan because that's just how it is. I mean, <laughs> I don't make the rules. I mean, I mean if you're going to make a vampire game, that's just how it is. Um, I think overall, I feel like the game, the overall power level of the game has definitely been reduced, which in the end is probably good and probably best. Cause if you weren't careful, the game really could turn into rocket tag, especially when you were playing, um, uh, with lower generation characters, uh, werewolf had the same problem where it was like, you're immune to almost anything except the teeth and claws of literally everything you'll be fighting. Um, so it was just very easy to get, Right. Yeah, it's very easy right. to get torn up. Um, so I think the game is more subtle now, uh, which works well if you're creative. But if you were used to coming from a place where you were like, I've got Dominate 3, bow down, you know, um, that might not be the case anymore. And you sort of have to adjust your play style uh, accordingly. So uh, I think also the lore wise I think V5 is supposed to reflect just a general cultural sense of unease and distrust of authority and venture or the face of authority like I was I was explaining to someone that wasn't familiar with the game but it started watching LA by night um, when the Camarilla showed up and everybody's like ooh the Camarilla um, spoiler alert earmuffs if you're not caught up but, uh, you know, we kill the sheriff. And everybody's like, you can't kill the sheriff. And we're like, we don't recognize his jurisdiction. Like, we don't care. Like, if he didn't want to get killed, he shouldn't have come over here talking craziness. So, <laughs> again, this, this concludes my TED Talk, you know. Um, but I, I kind of had to explain to them, and, and I hadn't even realized this myself until I said it out loud, that, Previous editions of Vampire were mostly from the Camarilla's point of view. And the Anarchs and definitely the Sabbat were the bad guys. I mean, yeah, we were all bad guys, but they were the bad guys. Like, the structure of the Camarilla was good. These, you know, unchecked wildlings were bad. Um, fast forward, though, in kind of the zeitgeist of V5 in general... And especially with so many people learning about the show because of us and us being Anarchs, is the Anarchs are actually the quote-unquote good guys uh, because the system has failed and the system got us into a second Inquisition. And now we're all at risk because of them, um, even though you know we're all these terrible monsters. So in many ways, the pendulum has swung completely almost away. So if, I guess if the Ventru are emblematic of structure and leadership this game is actually deeply questioning structure and leadership and i think not insignificantly that's why one of the main inciting elements of v5 was hardestad getting killed by theo bell so that was probably a not too subtle (laughs) 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 attempt to, to say like this is where we're going with this Stop me, Nate, if you had something to tip your tongue. But um, mm-hmm. with with the venture as a whole, and when you play it in, in those insightful differences, um, 
what did you think of the V5 Camarilla? Well, I mean, uh, I don't think much of them, clearly. <laughs> well, right, 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 right. But not, maybe not in a Victor Temple mm. sense, but um, I'm, I'm assuming, obviously, you got the book, know a lot about yep. it, clearly. Um, but do you feel any type of way about the new format of the Camarilla? The like the changes, the 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 way that they've become a little bit more conservative, and uh, I, I guess more conservative yeah. probably. That it's just it's observable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the specific points are like the the high religious overtone, right? How that's there is that like a weird effect, or do you think that was a much needed effect that they were missing? Um, it's just different. Um, I mean, realistically. It's not the story I would have told, but I think it's a valid story. Um, I think uh, this. Well, you have to. I have to give you the back. Me, I am a super min max power gamer. Like I, I am. You know, like I mean, I I like being the third generation vampire throwing dump trucks around. Like I mean, I'm I'm that dude. Um, well, I'm I'm glad you're willing you know, to admit it. You know, we, most most of us aren't. We willing are to admit what it. we are. We, we, Collectively, Kane Bro is a title we use. Yes, I'm that. I'm that person. So in that, again, this might uh, this might be blasphemous to say, but you know, the Sabat point of view of just embrace the beast and admit what you are. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not, not going to lie to you or lie to me at all. Not, yeah. not at all. So that being said, with the tone of V5 just being lower power in general. In I feel like more helpless in general. Like, uh, you know, it was one of the very first conversations I had with Jason when when the book first came out because we had you know like like uh, uh, review copies and stuff like that to like be able to give notes and things on. Which, by the way, was a mind freak to be like, we're making a new vampire. What do you think? You know, and it's like look over one shoulder, look over the other shoulder, like me. You know, <laughs> um, so much so, yeah. just a tangent here. One of the best experiences I ever had in my life was shortly after I did that vampire one shot. And long before we started talking about doing this show, I got together to have dinner with Jason because, you know, the, the planning for Werewolf V5 was just in its earliest stages. And we just sort of sat down and talked about what would have happened to the various tribes in the 15 years since. You know, like what what would the Uktena feel like with the with the pipeline protests you know like what what are glass walkers like post 9 11 you know where the fiona and all this fiona um and just being able to say like well i think the shadow lords would have done this i think the black furies would have done this i think the red talents would be here and having to be able to have that conversation and nerd out about it was ridiculous and insane so sorry uh no, <laughs> but, totally but the, I was. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh no, you were fine. Literally, that comment came out as I was thinking. I'm, I'm muted now. Yeah. You're good. Um, the <laughs> but back to the Camarilla. So I, I think to see the Camarilla have been somewhat defanged because everyone has. Um, I mean, again, now. Proudly, as the undisputed Baron of the Valley, I care not for the Ivory Tower, but perhaps the old me that spent so many years like playing in that structure. It is a little sad to see them as a shadow. Oh, I know what I was going to say. When I first saw the book, and I read about the Thin Bloods, like I, I asked Jason, I'm like, why would anyone play this ever? Why would anyone do this? 
and of course he's like, well, you could do this, you could do that. And I was like, except for making like a really dope version of Blade, I was like, <laughs> yeah, nah, you know, yeah, nah. Like, I, I mean, I, I would, I would roll up a Kaitif and wreck face first, but that's, that's my play style. And that's how I like to experience the game. So um, I get the Camarilla uh, sort of retreating into their shell. And I think you're going to, when Victor Temple is offering his criticisms of the Camarilla, understand that is me offering my criticisms of the Camarilla. And I say again, if you send me a freaking uh, cypher cylinder, I'm just going to break it. Like I'm just, I'm not even going to try. Not even going to try. Yeah. Not my thing. Not my thing. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I guess I uh, guess I didn't so, I didn't exactly no, no. answer your question about the the religious overtones and all of that. Sorry. Um, I feel like again, I think it's kind of a byproduct of the distrust of systems undercurrent because the religious authority thing was always there with the Lasombra. Um, it just depended on how hard you leaned into it, um, and I, I think them becoming more conservative because of their fear of what's happening in the world is again, a non too subtle commentary on what's really happening in the world. Especially when you realize a lot of the people that wrote this, you know, were not American. So, you know, there's, there's some, there's some, some none too subtle uh, commentary on what I think the rest of the world might think is happening here in particular. But again, I can't I can't speak for anybody and, you know, what they were thinking when they made certain decisions. But, you know, as as a consumer like the rest of us, you know, I think that's the right. case. Right. Well, I, I think uh, some of us may not that may not have been missed on us, you know. Right. Uh, exactly. uh, well, so let, let's let's move ahead a little bit. Um, what can we expect? Do you have any insight about what we can look forward to in the second season? <laughs> apparently war <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah apparently war uh and again people are like i can't believe you started a war with the camarilla and when like, excuse me they started a war we won the first battle not the same thing not the same thing um i think uh it's funny because what we thought the first season was going to be about and if you go back and you watch the very first episode of season one, you definitely can see some plot points and some foreshadowing come up that we didn't really get to interact with um, because it's just the, the the way the events of the first episode or two went, we just sort of like kind of took a hard turn and never got to revisit them. So I think you're going to see a lot of stuff in season one in season two that we meant to deal with with season one. Um, the ghost story, a lot of the history of Los Angeles, a lot of why it is the way it is. Like, what even are the Anarch States and what was the rebellion and who fought it and why? Uh, a lot of that's going to come up. Right. At some point, uh, the Inquisition is going to show its face and it's like full might and fury. That's going to happen at some point. Um, I hope, I hope we're going to get to see uh, some of the other barons and how they do things. Uh, I know Victor Temple is going to have some choice words for some of them. Um, I hope we get some more insight into the Camarilla and, and how they do things. But I think we're just going to be trying to uh, fortify our position in the valley and make you know a safe haven for our people in, in the face of the coming storm. 
You know, I think that like oncoming storm imagery gets way overdone in things, but I think it is somewhat apt this time that like uh, a, a swirling maelstrom of suck is bearing towards us <laughs> from all directions. Yeah. But hopefully, you know, hopefully we, cool. we, we have uh, many, many nights ahead. I, I will say also, as of this moment, all three of my coterie mates are hiding catastrophic bordering on apocalyptic secrets uh, that we're probably going to find out about at some point and then hijinks will ensue. So, you know, that's going to be great. You know, well, welcome to being a venture and dealing with right. And again, problems. everybody wants to make Victor the asshole. And I'm like, excuse me, wait a second. I'm not the one that right, did right. this. <laughs> you know, vaguely motions and everything. <laughs> you know yeah uh, they get too much hate the venture the venture clan gets way too much hate yep. some of it's deserved a lot of it's deserved but you know also everybody looks to them for leadership hey, so what there do do? is a masquerade because of the ventru because being able to bribe people and make them forget about things are just a useful skill set <laughs> you know well so it's a. Uh, so I have I have one more question, but Bob, did you have any other questions? Oh no, he's been awesome. Just uh, on the ball. Thank there. you. Make sure you leave that in there. Uh, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I have one one more nerd related question um, because I am always eager to find out what people are interested in. What are you looking forward to that's should be coming to V five that isn't available yet? That could be clan. It could be, you know, sect information. What's the one thing that you're looking forward to that, like, you kind of can't wait to, you know, sink your teeth into? More clarification on what you can really do with the disciplines. Uh, There's a couple of the amalgam powers, but none of them really curl my toes in particular. Um, But but I like that. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that, you know, a kindred that has these two different disciplines can do this thing. Or even just more insight into you know, here's a reasonable expectation of the kind of things you can do with dominate and the kind of commands you can enter, you know, here's a, it just is because people, more people play the game and sort of beat on it and more theory crafting takes place. Um, those sorts yeah. of things um, interest me of what is and isn't reasonable and what isn't, isn't doable. Uh, I also like the fact more than anything that we are really actually affecting the lore that like all of us have lore sheets that are coming out. Uh, I've seen my lore sheet, which is insane. (laughs) It's insane that, you know, something I did has actually affected the fabric of the world of darkness. Um, I think at some point uh, the Sabbat are going to make a return. Um, I also, uh, I think when the reveal of why, everybody's being called to the Middle East. All the elders are being called to the Middle East. It so happens I know what it is, and it is crazy dope and not what I expected. I think that's going to be very satisfying. Um, and I'm just looking forward to people playing the game again. I, I think it's um, it has a lot to offer. And um, I think, I, I hope everybody can find uh, their place in it. Because, you know, again, we had... We had some kerfuffles, you know, we had, we had some missteps that I think have been resolved satisfactorily. And I, but I think some people sort of just heard third hand that, you know, oh, it's terrible. Cool. I'm just not even going to try. And it's like, well, no, I mean, come on, like, you know, come back, exactly. you know, hear what happened, hear both yeah. sides, yeah. see if it makes sense to you. Again, if it's, if it's not your jam, that's cool. Not everything is, 
Um, but I think if ever a person was interested in vampires in general or the world of darkness in specific, because it really has been the origin of the vampire mythos for almost three decades now. I mean, True Blood, Underworld, to a far lesser extent, Twilight. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, but all of it can be traced back to here. <laughs> so whatever experience you want to have with the vampire mythos, you know, is available here in, in a relatively streamlined and relatively accessible way. Well, awesome. I, I enjoy hearing that. Honestly, I think uh, you're a pretty great advocate for the community. And um, I'm glad that uh, the entire stream and um, the video series is, is being successful. And, um, you know, universally, people seem to enjoy it. So uh, I think it's great. And, you know, uh, for not sure. to speak for Bob. But no, Bob is sure. like, no, F that um, show. No, so stop it. Where, no. It's not a real vampire. <laughs> yeah. Just go, so, go super be, bro on me. Go super comic book shop. Like, it is not real vampire if they are anarchs. <laughs> well, I could tell you. I could tell you when I first saw it. Right, I just share this a little bit with you. I'm, I'm looking at it and they're like, oh, these are these are these are actors, and they're up here on show and they're doing it. They were hired, blah blah blah. And I'm like, the hired actors? And they're like, yeah. I was like, well, I'm like, so these guys aren't even fans. They're just like they went to Hollywood and was like, hey, let's pick out four, and that's what I'm looking at. And you're talking about hearing stuff third hand. I'm the guy who will go get both sides. I have to. And I'm like, I'm checking this out. I started watching it. I kept laughing. because In fact, yeah. your job might require it. All right. This is my job. He's correct. And I was looking at it. And uh, when I saw Victor Temple, and I do forget her name. Nellie. Nellie how the How the video was shot. Nellie. I couldn't stop <laughs> laughing. And how those two those two get along. I couldn't stop. It was it was constant quips back and forth. And I wonder how many times did Jason like had to have to edit out Never. him breaking down. That's li- that's live. No, the, oh, the, really? the epilogues, the four solo episodes are edited. Everything else you're seeing is hundred percent live. So what whatever you see is what it was. Oh, that is awesome. It was it was fantastic to watch. It was a it was enjoyable, and what I could tell you is from being a guy who wouldn't necessarily listen or watch anybody play a game related to game. Um, I sat there and went, "I'm going to start checking this out because the entertainment is really watching how someone digests the material in a different way and their portrayal of that material." And I think you yeah, did a great I, think job. I, I think appreciate that. Now, definitely, we were all about that life. It's funny because, and, and I'm not saying this about you. I'm saying just more, more globally. One of the main things that like gatekeepers always try and come after us for, not just for our show, but tabletop games, is that you know they're not real fans. And it's like, mm, but we are though. You know, <laughs> we are. And I, I think uh, again, although Erica wasn't familiar with it, that was also intentional because she was interested in it, and we wanted the character that didn't know everything uh, because one of the things that, that always uh, found very, a very insightful thing I heard was uh, the reason why the, you have a companion on Dr. Who is because the show is about the companion because the companion is you. You have to have the person that steps through the looking glass right. and is like, but what though? What is that? Who are they? What's this about? Uh, you know, so that's, you know, that's, a that's, a, a, a John Barrowman said that by the way. Um, so it's, um, it was vital that we had someone who could come through and look at things newly. And we really did work to keep a lot of things from Erica. Like we have entire email threads that is like, don't tell Erica, blah. So when it comes out and you see her reaction of like, what? It's like, yeah, yeah. That's really Erica Ishii finding out for the very first time that that's a thing, Um, (laughs) which has been, you know, 
really enjoyable. But yeah, the Sin is a hardcore LARPer. Um, Alex has done uh, a lot of LARP too, but but played a lot of games, you know, that, that goes um, way back. So we all understand both where we come from and where we're going, and more importantly, how lucky we are to do this. Um, so it, it's been um, it's been really great. It is really great. Well, that's awesome, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on our podcast and letting us pick your brain. And, um, you know, hopefully uh, more people will go and watch it because it's a really great show and it's really awesome. And, um, you know, you kind of mm-hmm. like you mentioned the term gatekeeper. And I feel like um, Bob and I, mm-hmm. we try to be like reverse gatekeepers. So, um, you know, we're, we're like trying to open the doors for people like, come on in, do what we do. It's totally awesome and fun. So it's it's awesome to um, to talk to somebody that's been playing the game, you know, uh, as much and as long as we have who really enjoys it and is passionate about it. Um, so uh, let's do the thing where you tell people where they can find you and where uh, they also, can find uh, the show and do what's the going thing, on. I'm always advocating for Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Um, B. Dave Walters. Again, I play Victor <laughs> Temple, undisputed Baron of the Valley. Like, I really feel the need to underline the, the undisputed aspect of that. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's, I said it on the internet. It's got to be true. Um, I would just say, just a, just a certain aside, you know, that, that character, I very intentionally have him take a hideout in the open approach to the masquerade. It is so funny watching how that divides people because people argue about it, man. They were like, you can't do that. No. And other fans who completely understand what I'm doing and why, uh, and like watching them go back and forth about it. Because again, surely, surely there won't be any negative repercussions of my very public face when all of our communications are being monitored. Surely not. That's not, that's not a thing. No. Um, yeah, no, that, that's an ugly myth from like, <laughs> You know, kindred that want to go back to like sending things via parchment and courier. That's a that's that's the real heresy. <laughs> but it's it is a, I guess all of that is to say it's really neat to see us all get to interpret our clans in relatively non cliche ways. And I especially like I think some of the most fun I've had is the times that Ash Minnick has been on as Fiona, because we're both very different Ventrue. But it's clear that there's things that are the same about the two of us that is still different from everyone else. And I really like getting to do that. So I actually hope we get to see more. We get to have more guests that are members of the same clan as our core people, but do it completely differently. Because I think that that very much adds a richness to the world there. Sorry, I got stuck in a monologue. No, that's why you're here. Absolutely. B. Dave Walters, (laughs) I'm that on all the socials. Uh, The two main shows I have going right now are a little show called Vampire the Masquerade, which is Fridays at 8 uh, PST. Season 1 is all up on uh, YouTube. Again, as of the time of this recording, my solo epilogue goes up on Monday. My solo episode goes up on YouTube on Monday. Um, I'm also on We're Alive Frontier, which drops on Tuesdays on a joint team alpha. Uh, or Project Alpha, rather, it's at Joint Team Alpha. The website is Project Alpha. Uh, we do a live cast Discord watch along, 2.30s on Tuesdays for that. Um, I'm one of the hosts of Ask Your Black Geek Friend. Hopefully that will be returning soon. If not, all the previous episodes are up on Twitch and Alpha. Uh, and uh, <laughs> last but certainly not least, uh, every Sunday at noon on Q Times, we do the Uncommon Trust Presents, which is me and my 
fellowship of friends and fellow gamers where we play lots of different games and lots of different systems and rotate players and GMs. And right now this uh, we're doing Hillfolk that Ash Minnick is GMing. And when you see Hillfolk, you might see a striking resemblance to the vampire relationship map from Hillfolk. A not too subtle uh, inspiration was taken there. So it's a, you'll be like, this all seems familiar. And I'm like, yeah, yeah it does. Yeah, it should. It should. Yeah. And uh, anywhere uh, people will turn on a camera and let well, me say I'll, words, I will be there. I really, <laughs> well, thank you, sir. I really appreciate you coming on our podcast and talking to us and uh, answering our questions. And um, thank you for listening. Uh, honestly, like that's that's the biggest compliment I think Bob or I could ever receive. Agreed. I know. It's <laughs> wild. You're like, wait, I said things and you heard them. Oh, OK. Oh, cool. Cool, 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 cool. All right. Well, wait, I have a question for you guys real quick. Uh, yeah. Nate, wh- what's your clan? Well, I got to show loyalty to my Bruja, right? Like, that's that's that was my clan growing up, but, um, and I love mm-hmm. them. And they're, they're they, you know, they got mm-hmm. their own thing going on now. You know, they've, they've left the Camarilla. Totally acceptable. And Bob? Uh, my favorite clan is always and forever been La Sombra. Mm. I'm, uh, I love the pragmatism. I love the in-your-face I'm a vampire. Get that through your head mm-hmm. and you know, know who you're dealing with. <laughs> I like the fact that they often are misconstrued as dark venture. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's one of my biggest uh, peeves and also thumbs up because it makes a great discussion. Um, I think that both the Lissambra and Venture get saddled with leadership. I just know the Lissambra do it better. I was about to say Lissambra aren't dark venture because <laughs> venture are dark venture. <laughs> I, I usually split it as the venture or political authority and the Lasombra or religious authority. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, it is. Not always, of course. There's there's a spectrum there, but but in general, uh, I th- I think for, for the I, most part, not only are you correct, I think even the portrayal of how people want the Lasombra versus venture to be, yeah. they need that distinction, the yeah. commonality. Yeah, there's a uh, uh, you know they're back in the new book. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've uh, I've made it a point not to read any of it because I'm I'm like I'm saving myself for when it right. comes out. Right. Well, they are back. In fact, we uh, we ran into one. Uh, there's a non-zero chance that it's Lucida, actually, um, which I'm actually hoping it's not Lucida for quite a few reasons, not the least of which it's freaking Lucida. I would hate to be tasked with destroying Lucida, and you heard me, Internet. I would if she comes at us wrong. <laughs> if she tries to hurt one of my people. She can get it like anyone else can. I would just prefer it not be that way. Also, I don't want to be strangled by shadows. Both of those things are things I would rather not have happen. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that's that's something that I could tell you just on a I won't get specific on the sneak peek. I'm certain you probably have seen it. Uh, but how they redid for V five the Lasombra powers, they're they're amazing. Mm-hmm. They're really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because uh, Sin, in particular, really wanted to play La Sombra, and they weren't available at the time. And fast forward, in between season one and season two is when they became available, and it's like, oh, and I'm like, yep, sucks, sucks. And no, you cannot suicide Nelly G and come back as a La Sombra. You cannot. You also are not a secret La Sombra this entire time. No, you aren't. Yeah, like. Yeah. yeah, it kind of raises the stakes, though, doesn't it? Right. If you're uh, if you're playing a character for a live stream and like people are kind of like rallying behind your character and, you know, you you if you're at a table, you could be like, oh, man, I'm just so tired of this character. I want to play something else. And most storytellers are going to be like, really? But yeah. OK, 
but when you're doing for a live stream like that that raises the stakes you can't just like call it quits no. and fold people are gonna oh there'd be riots there'd be riots in the street yeah like no it's it's a we are who we are at this point yeah 100 i couldn't imagine that we we've never done any like actual play stuff bob and i um we're we're going to be maybe delving into it very soon but um i just couldn't imagine that like i i can it's it's weird how people get when we talk about mm-hmm. a book they like i couldn't <laughs> imagine like them getting invested in nate's character or bob's uh, character it so. happens let me tell you man yeah i mean i, I think for the for the most part people kind of understand that we're not our characters. Like the cast of critical role gets it much worse than we do, but you know, like how dare you fight with that person? And you're like, uh, cause that's where the story went. Yeah. So, but I mean, again, uh, it, all three of them are keeping catastrophic beloved family members, a secret from me. And you know, when it comes to the Baron's attention, even, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And so, actually, I take that back. I 100% know what I'm going to do. But the people may or may not appreciate what it is that I'm going to do. Well, look, we know, we know at 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, business has to be done sometimes. So, you know, if nothing else, you've got to... No one wants to know how the sausage is made. You know, they just want... (laughs) They they want peace and prosperity, but they don't want anybody to enforce the rules. Uh, I will tell you this, though, for in terms of how to start an actual play, especially if any if if the people listening are interested in it, I would say just two things. I say do it because all you got to do is turn on a webcam and let the magic happen. Like it doesn't have to be some big grandiose thing. Um, but I would just say experiment with running a game and staying in character. You know, um, it might be tonally that your char- your game breaks the fourth wall a lot, and there's definitely room for that. But I think, especially in the world of darkness, people are looking to get just like down neck deep in it. So I think see if you can make it through a two or three hour session, basically staying in character, uh, not really coming out of that, except for literally to like you know go to the restroom or something. And I think if you find that you can do it and it's interesting and everybody's down. We're pretty much there. There's a Twin Cities right, by Night. Right. Uh, there's Blood on the Thames. Uh, there's there's a few good live streams out there. So you can see a, a lot of different ways people are doing yeah, it. Yeah, definitely check them out. If you're listening to this, hopefully you're listening to them too. But um, uh, for sure, uh, Twin Cities. Well, thank you for being on our podcast. Uh, I enjoyed the shit out oh, of yeah. it. Thank so, you. So, I'd uh, do it again anytime. Hey, folks. This is Nathan from 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. If you enjoyed the podcast you just listened to, Think about supporting us. For more podcasts, art, video, and gaming, go to utilitymuffinlabs.com. Follow our podcast on Twitter at 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook under our Utility Muffin Labs name, and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. Thank you again for your support. Utility Muffin Labs, consistently rated adequate.